It looks like you have something that you want to say in this live <laughs> Is it about okay, fucking so. Joe Dirt? I saw that word in bold. You <laughs> saw? When did you see when that? When you shared your screen. I wasn't looking at anything else, but all of a sudden I see Joe Dirt. <laughs> Yes, it is about Joe Dirt. So, well, I have a little bit to go before the Joe Dirt comment. Okay, I'm excited but... to see what possible connection you drew. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. This means each week, two or one of us will explain a movie to the other two or one of us in its entirety. Since this is a center for spoilers, if you haven't seen this week's movie, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at WeExplainMovies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off with what we watched this week, move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and then we're going to close out with our watchlist ads and recommendations. You're listening to We Explain Movies. Okay, folks. <laughs> Today, we're gonna, me and Kayleen are going to be explaining the entire plot of the movie Sella and the Spades. Yeah. Well, we already discussed what we've watched this week, and since we haven't recorded in a while, it's a lot. So, we're just gonna tell you some highlights. Sure. Let's see. Well, the one that we all watched together, why don't we start with that? Yeah. We all watched the 2020 film Antebellum. Yes. And we all felt similar about it, I think, based on yeah. the letterbox reviews. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was like we were going into it, you know, we were really excited to see it. We were really excited when it was being promoted to see it. And then this wave of like criticism, like bad criticism, like erupted. And that kind of made us a little bit wary about paying for it. Mm-hmm. And we just decided to go and do it. And. People need to calm down because yeah. <laughs> they were rating it like what, like half a star yeah. or something. And it was not half a star. Yeah, it was yeah. way better than that. Come on. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, it seems like since watching it, it seems like there's quite a bit of mixed reviews on it. But yeah, I definitely, I think I'm glad there was a wave of really bad reviews because initially I had really high expectations and then on like the turn of a dime I had really low expectations and it sat like right in the middle for me so I was pleasant like I was fine with that yeah I would agree I would yeah on a similar note I would say that the wave of bad criticism going into it helped with my initial viewing but now that I am informed and have seen it I I like it less and I I do agree with a lot of the criticism. I do not think it's a Mm -hmm. half-star movie, but I did really not know how to feel about it because it rubbed me the wrong way for a while and then it got interesting and it just felt like a very back-and-forth movie, which is divisive Mm -hmm. and everything. Since having watched it, I was like, "What, what are people actually saying? And I was really pleased when I looked on YouTube. I looked up Antebellum Reviews. The first whole page of videos was from different black film reviewers Mm. and I echoed a lot of their sentiments just in how I felt watching like if you think about this movie broken up into three acts definitely the first act felt like a movie that was really dated and that we've seen before of just depicting this black suffering slave experience and it felt like it was coming from a, a new 
2020 perspective or rather like a post get out world once you know the twist i did really like the twist that we were given even though uh we ended up and by we i mean mostly kimmy but we ended up predicting it oh kimmy is a rock star yeah (laughs) um i'm glad that it wasn't like i'm trying to be a little spoiler free here but i'm glad it wasn't what we initially thought from watching the trailer like so that's cool that it was something else but yeah i definitely didn't For the same reason that you're saying, I didn't think we needed to live in the abuse for 40 fucking minutes. Yeah. For a movie that's like really, that was probably more like a half of it, even though I still agree there's a three-act structure. The first act was most of it, and it was all suffering. Yeah. And I'm like, what, like, what, I guess I kind of was wondering what genre it was in that moment, because I was like, this seems a little bit more serious, like something like 12 Years a Slave, but this is supposed to be a thriller. And, like, I don't really understand why we're sitting in something like this for so long and not getting to the mystery. Yeah. And not not seeing how she got there. So... It, it was it was definitely, like, a, a fun discussion watch, like, as we were watching it. Because we were picking it yeah. apart a little bit. And it was very fun, Kimmy, calling the twist so very early. Um, <laughs> very early. And I think, I think just her doing that really made me have higher hopes even as we were watching it. I was like, no, because that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also just felt that um, when we were watching it, there were many times where we would call out, whoa, symbolism. And it's like, it was so heavy handed that I was like, I get it. Yeah. I understand. And so it just felt really like every point they tried to make was so on the nose that I couldn't appreciate it. Whereas something like Get Out is not like that. Mm-hmm. And I know like, you know, everyone on the fucking planet is comparing it to get out but it is by the same producers so what am i supposed to do (laughs) and you cannot deny the so very many connections that it has it is definitely a film that was like i saw get out i will now make my Mm -hmm. own and (laughs) it just sucks because i love janelle monet and so like i do i don't i don't regret giving it money i want to support black-led film i it's interesting that that was their take and that was their choice Mm -hmm. i also thought the act two was the weakest and could have easily been the most interesting we yeah. spent so much time in Act 1, arduously and painfully. Like, I wanted to know about Act 2, and I felt like that was kind of just, like, thrown together, and they were kind of yeah. like, say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah we, were, we were commenting on the sloppiness of the dialogue in there, or really just, like, the, the casual, clearly improvised lines. Yeah. And then in the third act, it's, like, horrible villain monologue. Mm-hmm. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> and if you liked it, that's great. I did see that Nick and Jordan from Take Three, a movie podcast, really liked it. And I, I liked hearing their thoughts as to why they liked it. I really um, respected what they had to say about it. That also made me happy to see it getting high reviews from people that we know mm-hmm. and love when it was getting so so trashed before that. Yeah. Um. So more crossover that we have is Courtney and I literally like a day ago watched This Is Paris, which I just put on my watch list. I feel so... I don't I don't <laughs> like the start of this episode. I feel like I'm just like, I hate movies. And then it's going to get to be my turn, and I'm going to be like, let me tell you about the masterpiece Power Rangers. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're like, yeah, this week the theme is kind of we saw things we really wanted to, and they let us down. Um, this one was a much bigger letdown than Antebellum. Uh, we went into this going... I can't wait to watch something that shows me how Paris is human and experienced trauma like the rest of us and I think is like pretty, you know, messed up because of it. 
And not to say that wasn't present, but 95% of the documentary was, look how rich I am and how out of touch with reality I am. Mm-hmm. I think the moment that summed up the entire film, if you, you might already be thinking this, Courtney, but is when Paris it's in is my letterbox, on a plane. It's in my letterbox, Was it? <laughs> so she's on a plane and she spills her purse and tons of hundos fall out. And she's like, <laughs> oh my God. And has to like clean them up. I think and she's, she's like, even <laughs> a little bit like, oh, are you kidding me? This happens all the time. Oh my God. It was ridiculous. And I was like, that was the whole documentary. Yeah. And we, we were definitely making commentary throughout it. And then today I even saw a tweet and it's like, there are moments when you see some humanity to Paris Hilton, but then there's a cutaway scene of her mother trying to make her more relatable. And she describes how Paris always saved up her money as a child to buy monkeys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unrelatable. Yeah, to buy monkeys. What the heck? <laughs> it was a yikes. It was a yikes left and right. It was very fun to watch it with Daniel because he did not <laughs> intend to watch it with us. He just stumbled into the room and never left. And it's only because we made him mac and cheese. Yeah, we made him mac and cheese. So he was like, I, I feel indebted. And uh, <laughs> it was so out of touch. Borderline offensive. But <laughs> From what I read, it's supposed to be some basically a rebrand essentially like I'm coming out of the woodwork and (laughs) now I'm rebranding myself because all she cares about is her brand and yeah and and maybe we're just reaching this point of like the way that everyday people can become influencers maybe that's what she's going towards is like that's what I want to become but when you take a 40 year old woman and put her in a ball pit at one in the morning and her assistant is like trying to get her out of the ball pit to go back home to sleep because he's like Paris you know you need to be in hair and makeup at 8 a.m and she throws a fit and then the next morning she's like I didn't sleep at all because of my trauma and it's like no you stayed in a ball pit till one in the morning and you've also got seven people surrounding you and like doing your hair and makeup and she's like I'm exhausted (laughs) yeah sometimes I feel exhausted and I have to do my own hair and makeup (laughs) and it's yeah it was just the fact that like it definitely felt like I am using my trauma to rebrand myself. We found out that she still refuses to go to therapy. And I thought this documentary would have been brought on by therapy. But it was not. So she is not, like, dealing with her problems in a healthy way. She's using them in an exploitative way. Because she's doing it by Mm. herself. Yeah. She's using it to kind of peddle it to the masses. Which is ridiculous that that's all she's already done with her life. She made her life a brand. And rather than getting help for it, please just be healthier in that regard. Don't, uh, that, and this sounds like really privileged coming from me, but she has a billion times more privilege than I do. Yeah, it was just a bummer because like we, we literally watched it wanting to have empathy for this woman that is like difficult to empathize with and it did the opposite i would say we came into it already having tons of empathy for paris we we watched (laughs) the simple life and we are like oh wow like that must be so strange that she has to change her voice for the cameras like she's Mm. only 21 that must be so difficult and then you just see her set in her ways and doing that intentionally it did the opposite of what it wanted and that was a bummer i'm glad we didn't Mm. pay for it there were ads which (laughs) (laughs) that bitch has 300 million dollars Then you want to talk about the only other thing that we watched together? Yes. Kimmy and I didn't watch it together, but we did both watch. Enola Holmes. Yeah, I saw you guys, like, it popped up for me at the exact same time for both of you. And I was like, did they, like, call each other and watch it? No. No. Well, (laughs) 
I loved it. Like, way more than I thought that I was going to. I thought I was going to turn it on and be like, oh, man. Do you know who directed it? No. The director of all the flea bags. Whoa. <gasps> You're kidding me. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, love it. And so, and so it, it's definitely not the flea bag style, although kind of it is. There's a lot of breaking the fourth wall. And it's just, yeah. it's just charming and had it a very clear style. Charming. Yeah. It's interesting that it kind of reminded me of the, the Guy Ritchie Sherlock's in certain aspects, you know, like the way that it's hmm. shot. Yeah. And then, the, then I was like, what could people say badly about this? And I really haven't watched that many other Sherlock inspired media at all. But um, I guess the major issue, and I guess there's like some legal action going to be taking place, like some suing going on. Because they made the character of Sherlock Holmes too, quote, emotional? Like, I heard give that. me a break. I, I didn't really think that. And I didn't think that, that that's really what it was about. Like, it, it's about Enola Holmes. I think they also tried to sue Sherlock for making him gay, which they didn't. He's not gay. There's just a lot of gay subtext. <laughs> <laughs> and then, He's very Dumbledore. No, no, not even. Every, it's, <laughs> every girl on Tumblr was shipping him so hard with his male counterparts that for the third season they just gave in to us and they they made a whole <laughs> they made a whole dream sequence where he Benedict Cumberbatch kisses Andrew Scott and what? We were like, hey. Yes. I didn't know that. And then Arthur Conan Doyle's descendants were like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's wild. Yes, it is. But but I found it to be just, like, so enjoyable. There was even, like, I won't spoil it, but there's a part towards the end where I was, like, really shocked about what I thought. I thought it was about to get, like, really dark or oh, something. Oh, and I, I was like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, like, no way. That's not going to happen. And then it's it It's a children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was super down for it when they did it. I was like, wow. I know. I was like, this is going in a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, like, Millie Bobby Brown, she was just really good in it. Mm-hmm. And, like, they cast her really age-appropriately. Oh, that was my biggest note. And I was going to make that my letterbox review. And then I just gave it stars. I was like, some other time. But, basically, <laughs> I think Netflix just really knows how to use her. And they make her this child, which she is. They make her, like, a mm-hmm. fun, often androgynous tween or actual teen now that she's reached that age. And she's just all about adventure and not really about giving in to anyone's expectations. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. And I'm here for Sam Claflin playing more unlikable characters. Like, I'm not for here I for facial like that's hair. I that's all he does. <laughs> no, his facial hair? I'm not here for the facial hair. I want no. I want shaven Finnick O'Dare. That's what I want. <laughs> I'm here for it. I mean, obviously he has a beautiful face, but there is a fine line between beautiful and fuckboy, and he is riding that line. (laughs) (laughs) So he's able to play these, like, jerks really well. I think he does a good job with the jerk that you then feel sympathy for, and that Mm -hmm. you're, like, all about it. Yeah. Totally. Speaking of which, may I go next? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not really a speaking of which. It's just that I'm currently in a rewatch of Stranger Things. And I hate uh, Billy. I hate him so much. <laughs> I will marry and die for Billy. I hate I love Billy. Billy. Ew, I love Billy. There's nothing to love. I love Billy. I just watched the episode where he tries to hit a bunch of children on bicycles. 
And that is not the Red Ranger that I know and love. Anyways, yeah, transition see, Dacre's time. just a goofy guy. I would like to talk about Power Rangers 2017. <laughs> did you see my comment on your post? I did. <laughs> and what's funny is, like, Dacre in Power Rangers isn't even really what does it for me. Um, I have five mm. minutes left on the Zoom timer. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Um, okay. Basically, I love Power Rangers. This movie specifically, did I love the show growing up? Absolutely. Did I think I was the pink Power Ranger? Yes. But I specifically <laughs> love this movie. It's a nine, guys. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's so good and the characters are amazing. It's a great cast. Once I was done watching it, which I cried while watching it, I was like, <laughs> let's go see what Small. let's go see what Screen Junkies had to say. Cause I remember the honest trailer for it and I remember being like, hmm. Was that funny? And then I watched it again, and I, like, have a bone to pick with them because they get... Oh. Their their main joke that they chose throughout it was to be, like, they just threw a bunch of character traits at the wall. And I was like, this is a really shitty take because, really, what the movie did is they made well-rounded characters. They're mm. like, this is a black kid who's also autistic and loves country music. And I'm like, how is... How is how are any of those bad character traits that's mm. making me a fully formed person? And they're like, yeah, yeah. this one's angsty and Latina and a lesbian. And I'm like, again, those are just character traits. How are you mad about do, them? <laughs> do they hate Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I don't know. But yeah, they, they come for every single teenager. And they're like, this one's a homeless Asian guy who loves his mom. And I'm like, yes like what is happening yeah yeah and I just think it's I think it's really funny I think they did a poor job of like critiquing it because all of the Power Rangers are amazing they it's well acted they have character traits they are fully formed people and it's about like the bond that they have to make to become Power Rangers and to be able to morph and <laughs> there's like a really dramatic scene in it that like hits the nail right on the head I cry during it. I cried in the theaters. I cried when I watched it. And it's probably to do with, like, the music that plays. There's, like, modern-day version of Stand By Me that plays over, like, a really powerful scene. Nice. Oh. Is Elizabeth Banks ridiculous in it? Yes. And that's the point. Her name is Rita Repulsa. Like, what do you... It's a, it's a Power Rangers movie. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> and I love it. So knocking something off my watch list and one other thing that I'm proud to say I was able to watch in its entirety within the first two days of its release is the Amazon Prime original Utopia, created and written by Gillian Flynn, light of my life. Sadly, underwhelmed. Of Utopia? Very. Sad. Yeah, I would say like the first two episodes watching them, I was like, holy crap, I know I'm just going to rewatch the heck out of this. Like, I'm going to be obsessed. I'm going to I'm just going to want to revisit these characters constantly and find all these things together. And then episode three felt to me like a filler episode. And to Daniel felt so horrible. He said, if episode four isn't better, I'm done. And I was like, whoa. And he was like, wow. <laughs> it was like the day after we had watched it. And he's like, I'm not kidding, Courtney. It made me so mad. I I don't think I want to watch the show anymore. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but then as the series went on, they made one of the characters so unforgivably unlikable. Like, mm. so unlikable. And it's not an insult to the actor. I don't think she's a bad actor. I would say it was 50% her performance, though. And then, sadly, 50% the writing. I was like, Gillian, mm. I understand that you write women of all likability and of all sensibilities. It's like, you know, she really is, is like gung-ho about saying women are not perfect. And I get right. that. 
but uh, to make somebody so heartless and to do things that are just are just bad. I was like, I, I can't root for her anymore. And Yikes. like, and like when Amy Elliott Dunn does stuff, I'm like on board. It's thrilling. It's amazing. I love her. And then this mm-hmm. character, I was like, every episode she does something worse. And then the second they tried to make her human to us, it was for comedic effect and so over the top. And I was I was really upset. Damn. And then it just it just became it's weird because we watched the trailer for it and the trailer seemed so thrilling and like like a a scary espionage type situation. And then after the show came out, Amazon released a new trailer for it, making it a fun hijinksy like, ho ho ho, isn't that silly? Like look at it's slapstick and I was like, What is happening? Like they severely misread the tone, like Interesting. And maybe now they're just getting reviews from people and so they're like, Oh, maybe we should market it this way. All that to say, do watch it if you're interested. Um, I'm not going to say don't watch it. I just was let down, especially by the ending, feeling like a mid-season ending. It it does not feel like a finale mm-hmm. at all. Um, the last thing that I watched, which I've talked about before, but I just felt like gushing about it a little bit more, is The Babysitter. Uh, I've seen it before. I've made it a recommendation once. Courtney watched it. I remember you were like, that was a bop and a half. It was. And... I was really excited to watch it again because, honestly, first of all, the first time I saw it, that was the first thing I'd ever seen Samara in. No one knew who she was, to my knowledge, and that was, like, the big thing, and it was, like, pretty popular at the time, and I watched it with Dakota's two sisters, and we had, like, kind of, like, a sleepover, and so I would say that my attention wasn't really fully invested because we were, like, chatting and hanging out and, like, baking, I think, and stuff like that. And then I watched it again a few days ago, and I was like, this is art. Like, (laughs) I loved it. There's so much style in it. I forgot how many times there's little, like, it'll say, like, fuck yeah, or like, oh "Oh, no, or like, just like stuff, little words come up on the screen. That's almost like a character in itself because of how much it, it focuses on that and color and stuff like that. Second time around, I will say, I was even more annoyed by Bella Thorne. Like, she, Dakota kind of said this first, but she literally is just there to make jokes about her boobs. And I was like, did she write her part? Like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) I just think there's a lot of really good nuggets in there. I think it's really funny and clever. And, like, I got a little, I didn't cry, but I got a little, like, choked up at the end when the boy and her are talking about the character's that they would want in their intergalactic battle. Yeah. And I was like, this is like, you know, this is this silly, crazy, artistic, like, volume 100 movie, and it ends on kind of this, like, nice sentimental note. And I'm like, what the heck? So I just think everyone should watch it, and I was really pleased. Um, However, Dakota also made a good point when we watched it, is that after watching the trailer for Babysitter 2 and then watching the Babysitter, we were like, maybe we should take a bit of a break because they're definitely doing, like, the Back to the Future thing where they're making a lot of the same jokes, yeah. which I'm super down for, but I think it would have been a mistake to watch it too quickly after, so we'll probably wait till, like, mid-October or something to watch it. Yeah. Question time? Mm-hmm. Question time. The first question, and this was prompted because we have heard that Sella and the Spades is going to be turned into a TV show, or at least that's the plan. Who knows with the state of the world... Yes. There's a plans or talks about an adaptation. So with that, we decided, what is a high school movie that you think could be adapted into a TV show? I'll go first. My honorable mention is, it's kind of a funny story. 
I love that mm-hmm. movie. It's also a book, and I would love to see it adapted for television in, like, a fun, episodic way. You could even expand it into different seasons. Can you tell me what that is? I was just gonna. It okay, is <laughs> a movie starring Keir Gilchrist and Emma Roberts, Zach Galifianakis, Zoe Kravitz, Thomas Mann. It's, like, an adorable little stacked cast. Jim Gaffigan and Laura Graham are in it, and it's um, about a young boy who thinks about taking his own life and he even like goes to the Brooklyn Bridge to jump off of it and instead he decides to call 911 and he like has no idea really what's going on or what he's actually supposed to do and they're like you need to go to a hospital and he goes there and they admit him but the teen ward is closed and so he's put on the adult ward and he's like one of the only children the only other child is Emma Roberts and it's all these different people there for different mental illnesses and it's a really beautiful story with a lot of fun elements like there is cartoons within it there's a whole freaking musical number where they imagine themselves as being in like a david bowie glam rock band and they sing under pressure oh my gosh it's so good and i really loved the book growing up and unfortunately the writer of the book ned vicini did take his own life eventually and it's really sad that is sad Mm -hmm. he put out a lot of great art into the world i feel like that's really tough to be someone dealing with that Mm -hmm. i mean specifically being suicidal because when you, and by that I mean being someone who has celebrity and being and dealing with being suicidal. It's a whole neon then, gravestone situation, man. Well, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is it's like you create this persona of, like here, be strong, and then like, but it's it's hard to tell yourself that, and at the same time, like your own struggle doesn't go away, and then there's this pressure of like. Well, now all these people are looking up to me as this person who's, like, actively against it. And, like, mm-hmm. what do I do? So, yes, I was definitely thinking of the songs that 21 Pilots has put out on their most recent album and how it's clear that they feel the pressure of, like, oh, my gosh, we've become these spokespeople for anti-suicide, yet I'm still suicidal. It's really hard, and I, I just... It was, like, a really big loss in the author community, I remember, when he did take his own life, because I'm really passionate about suicide prevention, and it is really sad when people who are vocal about that as well and who are trying to destigmatize it still can succumb to depression, and so I think this movie is a really beautiful take on that it's the main character has severe anxiety and it's like all this stuff about it and I think it could be a great tv show to explore different mental illnesses in a way super different from the show that shall not be named that's on Netflix (laughs) I really just think that it's a it's a better more researched and not more not more positive but definitely a more educational story Mm. in that regard like it is about I just have so many issues with that whole show. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't need to talk about that one. But um, as far as, yeah, I, I think it would be a great TV show. Yeah. I think you're right. My other, my real answer is a lot more lighthearted. I would love to see it. <laughs> um, a, a Sing Street TV show. Ooh. I love the music Still haven't that. seen it. It's so good, dude. Like, it is just a feel-good time. And I would love more songs from it and that's what would come with a television Mm. show adaptation there could be a new song every episode and it is just fun Irish kids who are are down on being Irish and they want to escape to the mainland (laughs) (laughs) 
it's it's really fun. It's it's just so positive. It's about friends and making music, and it's not really ever into that like, hey man, like you're letting the band get the best of you, and you're you know it doesn't fall into like any stupid tropes. It's just fun, mm-hmm. and it's just making music and making art. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think it would do really well as a, a television show. Okay, I'll go. Um, my first honorable mention is. Eighth grade. Oh my god, mm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think and then season really two will be called ninth grade. I, I think that's I a mean, great we idea. Kind of like, <laughs> we already like kind of have it with pen 15, but this is just like from an actual child. Like it's not like, <laughs> like it wouldn't have anything, you know, I don't, I mean, maybe they could introduce like, you know, topics on sexuality, but just like her awkwardness is just so authentically a child. And, like, every episode could open with her, like, starting a new YouTube video. Oh, or yeah. That's a great idea. A TikTok really channel. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> she gets accidentally um, famous. They, they could introduce, like, oh, these are the girls in my school who do TikTok. And they're, like, with their crop tops. And she's, like, oh my I'm on YouTube. And whatever. <laughs> um, my second honorable mention is a movie that we've actually done on the pod. It's safe. I knew you were going to say that. I just think, and I think like right now is like a really good time to be doing a television adaptation of the movie Saved because <laughs> you just have so much content. Mm-hmm. But my real answer, and it's like, it is about teenagers, but I guess in essence, it's not truly a teen movie. I just think it would be a super dope adaptation. It's Chronicle. That would be a dope TV show. <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> Courtney's face was as I pictured it. Uh, yeah. Because that I'm stuff thinking. that happens that develops like with their characters, it's a movie, so it needs to happen in kind of like a quick time. With a TV show, they could establish like the inner workings of their relationships like so much more intricately and like and lengthen it out and then like one of the crazy climaxes of the season is that he's like turns evil and then like that's the second half of the series is like what are they gonna do and stuff i want more people to develop powers in season two Mm. yeah that would be cool allow it (laughs) because i'm very not down for a sequel with that movie no definitely not a sequel (laughs) okay i had quite a few but i think i'm gonna narrow it to two So my honorable mention, they're both honestly kind of similar vibes in a way. My honorable mention is Cry Baby. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't really develop a plan, but I just think that has, like, opportunity to be hilarious. I still want it to be crazy over the top and a parody, but I kind of, like, now that shows like Glee exist, I almost want it to be a parody of that. But obviously not directly, because that's lame. But you know what I mean? So like, you want still Ryan Murphy the... to take over for John Waters? <laughs> <laughs> like, I still want the dope songs, but I still want the essence of the movie. And I just want to, like, go hang out in the rest of their high school careers. It could even maybe be a prequel, because I bet Crybaby had a crazy life with all his daddy issues. <laughs> and they could be fun. Um, my real answer, which, like in a way is cheating because I found out there was a TV show, but I think it was made and like flopped immediately and was canceled. Sad. Heathers. So I've only seen the movie once and I remember kind of not knowing how to feel about it because, you know, it is very violent 
we're going to kill our classmates. I kind of think that I would want to spin it more in the way, like the vibes of Jawbreaker, which we also just recently watched. Like I kind of want it to be a little bit more lighthearted. Like I almost, (laughs) I think what I want is a combination of Jawbreaker and Dexter. Wow. (laughs) And, but like with the characters, like the two leads from Heather's. I just think there's a lot there that can be expanded upon and dealt with in a way that is more fun and intense thrillery and less, like, psychotic and offensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's my answer. Interesting. I planned on bringing up Heather's during predictions. Oh. This movie gives me Heather's vibes. Yeah. Second question. The question is, name a film you love with a female POC, or as Courtney said, WOC. Okay, so I have one answer. My answer is Whale Rider from 2002. Wow. Oh, I don't, I don't even know what that is. It's about a New Zealand uh, tribe of people and how the chief isn't allowed to be a woman, but like the lead, the, the current chief only has a daughter and she has to deal with the fact that she's not accepted as a leader in her community but she ends up by having like a special connection with the whales and that's like very historically uh, special for the legends of their tribe and she like rides the whales and that's why it's called whale rider (laughs) (laughs) it's a really good movie and it definitely holds up um i saw when i was really young and then like several years later like as more of an adult and it's just it's really educational about the tribe and about all their cultures. This girl's like 11 years old and she is just a powerhouse. It's dope as hell. Oh, she was nominated for an Oscar. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what? Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. good for her. So I have two honorable mentions. Uh, my first honorable mention is because it's animated, it's The Princess and the Frog. Oh. So Dope. although there is representation, it's animated, so I felt like that isn't, like, fully counting. And I know that there's, like, some um, backlash because a lot of Disney movies change the black lead to um, a character of a different color, such as a green frog. But I really like that movie. It's got some bangers of songs, and I like that it does dig into the culture of the South and actually give black voices a chance for Disney. My second honorable mention, which would probably be my real answer, but I've just talked about it a lot, literally last week, it's Us. Mm. I love Us. Lapita's the protagonist. That movie's awesome. Obviously, Jordan Peele, so far, in the two movies he's made, can do no wrong. Seriously. <laughs> and then my real answer, which is also super recent, is Hustlers, <laughs> which is flooded with representation, and I had the best time watching that. I love that it's also based on a true story because that's wild. I really like Constance Wu. I know she's also in Crazy Rich Asians, which I haven't seen, but it's kind of high on my list of things that I should see. You've seen it, haven't you, Courtney? I did. I watched it with my grandma. Isn't it a rom-com? It's a very much a rom-com. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that guy from A Simple Favor is in it. I knew his name like a month ago. <laughs> I think it's Henry. Golding. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. The cast is stacked. The movie was great. Script was great. Really fun. Costumes were awesome. I wish I was rich. (laughs) I love that you say costumes were awesome because, yeah, there's some dope fur coats and then, like, lovely designer clothes, but also it's (laughs) strippers. strippers. (laughs) I could have done without Cardi B's titties in my face, but that's fine. (laughs) Uh, I've got a few honorable mentions 
two of which are are young adult like kids movies the hate you give is based on an incredible mm. ya novel and they really pumped that movie out nice and fast with a manless denberg as the lead in it and it's got incredibly powerful poignant very relevant messages in it and then another one that i watched so many times as a kid and i bet still holds up i probably haven't seen it in a couple years but i love bend it like beckham yeah it's so good and um definitely exposed me to a culture that i wouldn't otherwise be familiar with especially not being british and like the british sikh indians yeah it's great that it's just about like a young girl who's being raised by these conservative parents but who has dreams of her own and I grew up in a soccer family, so that was just, like, a big soccer movie that we all watched. Mm. I think I even saw it for my birthday one year. And then my real answer is one of my favorite movies ever. It's <laughs> Selena. That's a great I yeah. love Selena so much. I found some, like, really interesting facts just in on the Wikipedia page for it that I was... Mm. Like, I had known before, unfortunately, because Selena was a native Texan and she's the queen of Tejano music, there was a lot of backlash when J-Lo was cast because she is a Puerto Rican, New York-born singer and dancer and actress, and everyone really wanted the role to be played by an actual Mexican woman or a Texan Mexican woman. Mm. So unfortunately, she was receiving a lot of backlash at the time, but she went and lived, I didn't know this, with Selena's sister Suzette throughout the production of the movie. Oh my god! And Suzette wow. was so on her side and just blown away by her mannerisms. She's like, she is Selena. She laughs like Aww. my sister did. Her body movements, her gestures, it's just encapsulates Selena. Mm. She yeah. did her due diligence to really take on a role that like we know how soon after the tragedy the movie was made it was apparently too soon to for for <laughs> Selma Hayek Selma Hayek was offered the role and she said no and then JLo took it and became the highest paid Latina actress at the time and she only made a million dollars off of it and now oh, wow. she's worth 400 million and I was just like wow wow JLo so I know I mean she's got clothing companies she's got her music she's yeah. got all of her brand deals with world of dance and stuff but i think j-lo is i mean kayleen just just mentioned a movie of hers and her answer j-lo's a force yeah. to be reckoned with uh even at 50 and <laughs> selena is just a, a beautiful movie and a beautiful tribute to selena quintanian and i love it getting into the movie sella and the spades we're gonna need some predictions yes my initial impressions of this, I'm like really currently into the genre of dark academia and it feels like that. I've been... What does that mean? So I've been reading a lot of books that are dark academia where it's like something, there's like a mystery unfolding or there's like sinister characters or it takes place in the fall in a boarding school and there's mm -hmm. just like like Dead Poet Society is dark academia and mm -hmm. like... Uh, Everything by Donna Tartt. And so there's just, like, Harry Potter would be considered that as well. And that's what this feels like. It's like boarding school, yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. So in the trailer, it seems like Sella is part of, I love that they called it factions at their school, when really, mm. I don't think it's like Hogwarts houses. I think it's cliques. And so, like, I saw mm. a theater kid clique. I saw the cheerleader clique, which I think they called themselves, like, dancers or something. Spirit Squad, maybe. I don't know. Spirit Squad. And then... Maybe there were other flashed in there, like there was like a nerd group or something like that. And so I'm guessing there's a new girl in school and she is being taken under Sella's wing because it was like power has to have a protege. And so she's like grooming her to take over her faction. And from what it seemed like, her faction sells drugs to other students. And maybe there Sella. are Sella. 
Maybe it's not a Bible reference this time. That's the tagline of the movie. This time it's not biblical. Um, the teachers might be in on it. There seemed like one male teacher who I was like, why are you hanging out with these kids? Mm. Oh, Jarell Jerome is in it from When They See Us. Yes. Mm-hmm. I really like him. And I don't know, maybe he's Sella's boyfriend or maybe he's like the... I, I really feel like the blonde drama girl. I feel like yeah. she's also trying to take the lead girl, the other lead girl like under her wing and is like, no, come do this. And gotcha. Sella's like, no, you're going to do this and I can give you all your wildest dreams. I'm Heather. I want there to be murder. I hope there's murder. Or maybe there's Mm -hmm. just crime. A kid had his face beaten up at one time. Mm. Those are just like a whole smattering of things. I had like two questions that I think will propel me further in this plot. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some queer subtext in this movie. Mm. You've gotten a lot of good predictions in. Yeah, but so far I don't think there's anything to do with the plot. I feel like new girl arrives at school. Which faction will she choose? I think she wants to be with the arts kids. She's, like, walking around with a camera, and she wants to to be with them, and they probably, like, pull her, ooh, kind of like a mean girl sitch. Like, she originally connects Mm. with the Janice Ian, but then suddenly, Sela's like, no, I want her. And then pulls her into her faction. Again, crazy thing to call it. Like, what is this, Divergent? And then um, (laughs) she, she, she gets into Deep. She kills Sella to take her place. And then, mm. a la Heathers, at the end, they all sing a song about how everything's okay now. Wow. <laughs> because they took down the evil, and this is where we are. Oh, okay, there's also a line in it where it's like, do you know what happened to the girl who came before you? Yeah. Sella killed her. This girl unravels the mystery. Is like, Sella, I know what you did. And Sella's like... I'm not killing people. I'm killing girls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Uh, So, yeah, maybe Stella's, like, impressed that she, like, solved the mystery. Mm. And then it becomes, like, a a cat and mouse or, like, a power struggle. Or then maybe the two of them are like, all right, well, I guess we'll both just be in power and that's what it'll be. I kind of want this girl to dismantle these factions and all that stuff. That seems like the typical... Like in Mean Girls. Yeah, it seems like the typical, Mm -hmm. like, that's what shit... It's just what you do. Yeah. That's probably what's going to happen. I don't know, though. Okay. So to start off, um, this is super new. This movie came out this year. And I feel like the fact that it is an Amazon Prime movie, meaning, like, it wasn't in theaters or anything. Like, it, I don't even think it was ever intended to go to theaters. There's, like, no fun facts, is my point. Oh, okay. Um, so we had to do some digging for some stuff. Um, so I did find this interview with the director slash screenwriter... Her name is Tyresha Poe, and she said that the inspiration for the movie came from her own experience at boarding school, and she wanted to replicate... I know, boarding school is so cool. It sounds so cool. (laughs) So cool. And she said she wanted to replicate the feeling of freedom that you can have as a teenager in a way that other teenagers can't. And I'm like, that's exactly why I thought it was so cool. Yeah, it's like a giant uh, summer camp, like, all all year long. It's like Zoe 101. (laughs) (laughs) and then it was funny because in that same interview lovey simone who plays sella she and the director tyresha they were talking about sella and they both said that she's spicy and i was like yes (laughs) (laughs) so their favorite word is the same as kayleen's favorite word so we're all the same is what i'm saying gotcha the movie begins with text on the screen and it's a quote that says 
I've married a man who owns nine cows, said Ginger to Ozma. And now I am happy and contented and willing to lead a quiet life and mind my own business. Where is your husband? asked Ozma. Ozma? Not quite sure. He is in the house nursing a black eye, replied Ginger calmly. The foolish man would insist upon milking the red cow when I wanted him to milk the white one, but he will know better next time, I am sure. L. Frank Baum, Ozma of Oz. So now we get a narrator who isn't in the movie. Mm. He's just some kind of disembodied voice. <laughs> is it Willem Dafoe? It is Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, she kind of describes all these different factions that run the school. Yeah. She says there's the teacher's pets who help you cheat for money. There's gambling on the sports team. There's the Bobbies, who are, like, essentially the theater kids, and they're led by Bobby, okay. of course. I was like, um, <laughs> is that because they use bobby pins? Like, <laughs> No. There's a girl, and she's a leader. Her name is Bobby, and they have, like, all the sick parties. Because, is you know, she the blonde one? Yeah. Yeah. There's the prefects, who keep administration out of everybody's hair, and they're led by Thomas Richard Thomas, who they call Two Tom for short. I love that. <laughs> and then there's the spades. And they deal drugs and booze to all the student body, and they're led by Sella and Maxie. Maxie is that Jarrell Jerome? Yes. The spades are known to push you past your limit so you know what your limit is. The big conundrum of the whole, you know, movie is that Sella is a senior and she's going to graduate and leave, and she doesn't have anybody to pass on her legacy to. Okay. The the movie, after they've described all the factions, opens on this really cool, very visually aesthetic faction meeting. And the first thing that came to my mind is it kind of looks like an Alice in Wonderland tea party because it's outside mm-hmm. at a table like in the forest. And all the chairs look really unique and different. Like they're not just typical chairs. They're kind of made out of Every single one is made out of different material. Like, one will be, like, wrought iron, and one will be, like, wicker. It's, like, very interesting looking. So all the leaders of the different factions are at the table. The director of the film said that one of the things that was really important to her about the film, which is one of the things I think Kimmy and I liked the most, is that she basically said, if you had a lookbook of all of like the good shots from the film she would want it to be able to be presented like on a coffee table so that when you look through it they're all really impressive and visually stunning i mean that's just a woman who cares about the craft good for her yeah yeah so the there is a lot of shots like this that we'll mention in the movie where they just look really cool nice another thing about the movie which i didn't find her talking about but the music in this movie i wrote is whack-a-doodle because they have like they make it make you feel unsettled. So during this meeting, the factions are kind of disagreeing on what they're talking about. So the music is really like, there's all these quick drum, I don't know what it's called, like when you smash the snare or whatever, and it's like like a crash. That's what it's called, a crash, like a drum crash. And uh, like melodica noises, it sounds really off key and like, almost like a horror film. Cool. And so that's like what's playing as they're approaching the group. And you realize that the group is all trying to decide what the senior prank is going to be. And they kind of decide on water. They don't say what, but they decide on water. Mm, Drown our classmates. (laughs) (laughs) Maxie and Sella are alone now. They are clearly best friends. They clearly run this shit. Um, 
and they have a shorthand with one another. They're alone and they're trying to decide on someone from their faction to take Sela's place now that this person, Tila, is gone. They don't talk about who Tila was or why she's gone. <laughs> they do mention her and they know that there's not an heir to replace Sela when she graduates. Enter Paloma. She is the new student at school. She's really cute. Yeah. She looks really naive. She is on the newspaper for the Haldwell boarding school. Mm. And she's always got like a camera around her neck. Very hipster. You know how they do. Yeah. So Sella is doing sprints in the gym um, with all the other Spirit Squad girls. And Paloma is just in there taking pictures. Sella seems a little bit like, why are you taking pictures of us? But doesn't really say anything. Then we cut to what is almost like a performance art piece of the Spirit Squad doing a routine in between Sella doing the monologue you said you watched. Mm. So as you saw, the monologue is basically about girls and their role in the school, like how we're not taken seriously. So that gives us a good opportunity to kind of do whatever we want. And in Spirit Squad, we do do whatever we want. Like, we dress the way that we want. Exactly. She's like, we have control over our bodies. We do what we want. We make the routines. We do our hair the way that we wanted to wear it. We do notice during this monologue, because it's the first time Sella's been talking for a long period of time, she really likes to um, do this little laugh laugh breathing where she goes like a scoff like an out breath yeah where she goes you know like some actors do it's like (laughs) so she (laughs) you'll you'll hear that again from us Um, (laughs) but she's doing that during her monologue and then the last line is they always try to break you down when you're 17 then we see maxi and Sella. they run into another student on the stairs this is a male student and they see him and he's frightened to see them And they say, we're going to take the money that we're owed. They grab it out of his backpack. It's like a giant wad of money. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, we're good. And he's like, I swear I'm done. And Sela says, it's not about that. It's about the principle of the matter. And the other two students look at him and beat the crap out of him on the stairs. Then this kid that just got beat up is in the administration office. And they're asking what happened. And he says, oh, I, I fell down the north stairwell. And the principal guy is like, hmm, that seems to have been happening to a lot of kids lately. And the student goes, yeah, well, um, maybe you should invest in some of that stuff that makes stairs less slippery. (laughs) (laughs) And now we cut to Sella. She sees pictures that Paloma has taken in the school paper, and she's really impressed. She's like, these are really good. That's really cool. And then out of the corner of her eye, she, uh, Sella sees Bobby with Tutom, and they're being really flirtatious, even though Tutom is supposed to be dating somebody else. It's already been established that Bobby and Sella really don't get along. Okay. They butt heads at the faction meetings, like, a lot. So Sella looks like she's kind of got something up her sleeve. She tricks Paloma into taking pics of two Tom and Bobby together. And she's like, don't worry, it's for a project. <laughs> Bobby already knows that I've set you up here to come and take pictures of her, like, in a candid way. So she does. Then we cut to Bobby and Stella arguing because Bobby found out that pictures were taken of her in that compromising situation <laughs> with two Tom. And she says, you did it on purpose. How dare you? You're always trying to, you know, figure shit out about me. 
mind your own business. And Paloma's just like in the back taking more pictures because she's artsy and she's cool like that. And <laughs> her character trait is that she loves to take pictures because she's from the newspaper. She's taking a picture of a fight right now? <laughs> yeah. 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 Paloma's like, you know, she talks about this later, but she's like, I always just get the shot. Yeah. If it's a good shot, I get the shot. So Paloma is listening to an iPod shuffle because she's just such a hipster. It's funny how that's not <laughs> mainstream anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she is hanging out a lot with Sella these days, and they're hanging out now. And she gives a headphone to Sella, and she's listening to this. Sella really enjoys listening to it, and um, Paloma watches her listen to the music. Sella says they should go study in her room. While they're in their room, Paloma kind of asks Sella about Maxie and, you know, have you ever been into him? And she says, no, never. And then we kind of get this part where Sella says that she's never really had a type. She doesn't have a type and she doesn't date or make out or have sex or anything. And she says that she never really wanted to. And Paloma says that she's never had sex, but she's made out stuff. And Sella says she doesn't think that she's waiting for anybody to do that with. She just thinks that she's not interested in it. Oh, cool. Wow. And an actually ace character. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Sella says she always sees girls crying over that kind of stuff in the bathroom and thinks, why not just do things that keep you from crying in bathrooms? I mean, mean, fair point. Fair point. (laughs) Whoa. Did we just fucking jinx that shit? (laughs) So then after this conversation, Sella says... Come with me. And they go off to the senior prank, even though Paloma isn't a senior. And they get there, and Bobby, who's like, she's a very, like, snippy, kind of rude person. And she's like, what is Paloma doing here? She's not a senior. And Sella basically says, I don't care. And then that's the end of that. (laughs) And the prank that they're doing with the water is that they're, like, putting water all over the floor and all over this fancy, like, spiral staircase. I assume leading up to, like, the main classrooms. They're just, like, a bunch. Yeah, they're just, like, a bunch of cups of water. Each cup has different color food coloring in it. And it's making this really pretty display Sounds like of it, yeah. blue, yellow, green, and purple water cups. So we see it in the dark when they're doing it, and then we also see it in the morning when the teachers find it. And of course, Paloma's taking pictures. It's very pretty. I bet. I would take pictures. Nice. We forgot to mention this, but the head administrator, who they call the heads, um, is played by Jesse Williams, who is just oh my God. the most gorgeous man I just, in existence. I just don't know who that is. Never mind. I, He's from Grey's Anatomy. Nope. Never, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you said his name when he came on screen and I, I didn't know who that was. I thought you yeah. were just like on a, in a very comfortable position with Jessica Williams and you were like, I'll call her what I want to call her. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesse Williams from Grey's Anatomy. The most gorgeous human and that's funny and you know what he he comes in not he's like not in the original seasons he comes in a little bit later um maxi sella and paloma are all off in the woods now doing drugs and just like fooling around not fooling around like sexually (laughs) just like just like goofing they're like running around and listening to uh music and just like being ridiculous and teenagers and silly sella later talks to Maxie about how she thinks maybe Paloma could be a good replacement for her. But Maxie's kind of like, I don't know, like, she's so young, she just fucking got here, I don't know if she's ready. But then they decide they're gonna show her some of, like, the spades behind the scenes work. So they show her the ledger, 
which is this cool white notebook with a blue spade drawn on it. Courtney's doing some waggy fingers. She feels sus about this. Yeah, she's going to get <laughs> you with that ledger. No, don't keep a ledger, you freaks. They have to. They're doing business. I... It's like a really, like, big, like, high-duty business. Like, it's just a lot of people. I don't see how, like, it's like a business. Ledgers yeah. are they, always tearing people I down. I know. They really are. Mm-hmm. But it's got, like, all their doings in it. So it'll be, like, Bobby cocaine like $20 like I think that's what it says in it <laughs> oh okay so actually yeah. that's kind of all right so it's it's a little good because it it's implicates to keep others. track of things yeah and it says people's names and stuff okay and so they show her that and then they show her like the room where they have the ledger and all the drugs are in this like little chest and they're like talking about the drugs and talking about all the different drug names and like going through the ledger and it's this really fast-paced scene so they'll be like bobby eight ball two o'clock tuesday this much money like that kind of stuff yeah and uh so they're going through all these drug names and this is the connection to joe dirt that i wrote is that when you hear people listing a bunch of drug names over and over again it sounds like that scene in joe dirt where he lists firecracker name or firework names for like 30 seconds in dickie roberts he does the same thing but with drugs yeah yeah so it's exactly like that (laughs) this is like husker do's husker don'ts well yeah dickie roberts i didn't know that connection yeah and dickie roberts he's just like Devil's powder, booger sugar, pixie dust. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it felt like because it's going so quickly that I was like, this is like comical what these are called. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what that was about. Wow, David Spade's like, let me rattle things off. I'm funny. Uh-huh. Now Sella tells Paloma about a place called Fishtown. <laughs> it's this- <laughs> Fishtown, USA. We got the fish. <laughs> oh, I guess we never mentioned this. They're in Philadelphia. Okay. Anyways, Fishtown. <laughs> Is that a place? Yeah. Yeah, they say it's the seediest of seedy places. Never go to Fishtown alone. It sounds like it must be like a drop point for like um, drug exchanges, but you always have to go with a partner because it's not a good place to go alone. So the teacher's pet faction leader tells Sella that there's actually a rat in the system. There's a rat and in nobody <laughs> There's a rat <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> what is that? Not in Fishtown, just like in the school. Somebody's kind of, like, ratting out on all the underground stuff that all these factions are doing. Yeah. And nobody knows who it is, so you better keep a lookout. They're coming My money's you. on Two Tom. That's why they call him <laughs> Two Tom. Tom. In this other scene, he also says that Maxie's been slipping up now, that he has a new girlfriend, Nuri. Kind of, like, the first, like, serious girlfriend that he's had, and he's kind of taking his relationship priority over his duties to the space. Stella talks to Maxie, and he ensures her that there is no rat and the spades don't have rats. Like, I just want to take a moment to say that <laughs> Jarrell Jerome, that's his name, yeah. mm-hmm. is amazing. He's amazing. He's definitely the best actor in the show, or in the movie. Yeah, and he doesn't have a lot of screen time, mm-hmm. but the screen time that he does have, he fucking crushes it. That's awesome. He's a very natural and charming actor. His mm-hmm. Emmy speech was so cute, too, a couple years ago. Oh, I actually watched that one with you, right? You did, yeah. We watched that one together. Yeah. And he, he's so cute. Sella and Paloma sneak out the following night for a casual masquerade party hosted by the Bobbies. And they've done it up in kind of like an abandoned nearby building on school property. 
During the night, Paloma does too many drugs and she kind of freaks out until she sees Sela and Sela calms her down and you can see their budding friendship becoming more special and more intimate. It's just another like really visually appealing scene, this party, this masquerade party. I think it kind of also has the same color scheme as all the water cups we oh, saw that's earlier. Cool. Suddenly, someone rushes into the party and says that they've been spotted by the heads and everybody needs to get out. Everybody rushes out of the building and clears the space. And they run free in the dead of night, laughing and screaming. It's all a lot of fun. The next day, it is morning now, daytime, bright outside. Administration finally happens upon the warehouse the fuck like where were you if someone said that they were spotted it took you this long to find where the party was like i'm confused but by the time that they get to the warehouse it's like totally empty there's no trash or streamers or anything anywhere except dun 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 they find an alcohol bottle with a spade drawn on it Sullivan then goes home to visit her mother who is played by gina torres All right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who that is. Who is that? Gina Torres is the most, the tallest woman. No. Most beautiful (laughs) woman. I wonder how tall she is compared to Elizabeth Debicki. You may call her Um, the most beautiful woman, but Elizabeth wins at being the tallest. How tall is Gina Torres? Gina Torres is five feet, ten inches tall. Hold on. Hold on. That's wrong. Is it Kimmy five times tall for a woman, but... It's no Elizabeth Debicki, <laughs> six foot three. Like Laura Prep on is five ten. Yeah. Lots of people are five ten, Kimmy. Nobody's Elizabeth okay, Debicki well- size. Not even Tall Girl from the movie Tall Girl is that tall. So, no. Okay. So like. The important thing about Gina Torres is that nobody would give her a job because she was this super, super tall woman of color. Yeah. Mm. And she struggled getting a job for years. And finally, she got on Firefly. Oh. Okay. And her career took off. That's nice. Aww, but good even, even Leslie Jones is taller than her. <laughs> <laughs> People just were I, shorter in the 90s. It's probably how tall is Leslie Jones? I think Leslie Jones is 6'1". Ask Alexa. Holy fuck. Alexa, how tall is Leslie Jones? Leslie Jones is six feet tall. That is tall. Sorry, Kimmy, Gina Torres is a shrimp. (laughs) Maybe I'm, like, wrong about this story, but I'm pretty sure that I heard that somewhere. Oh, no, I I definitely believe that, like, in the early 2000s, like, a woman of color being anything Mm -hmm. above, like, dainty and and you know like jada Pinkett if they Smith don't size. look like zoe saldana yeah. they're not getting cast or if they're yeah. not like small but big like monique like yeah i'm sure gina torres was beautiful and towering over a bunch of white women but they were like yeah. no however mm-hmm. i'm sorry elizabeth wins <laughs> she is taller <laughs> elizabeth dewinsky <laughs> elizabeth dewinsky and leslie jones <laughs> <laughs> So Gina Torres plays her mother and Sorry, I don't um, watch Firefly, Kimmy. That's okay. <laughs> and she is in they're like in the kitchen speaking to each other, and her mom turns around with a giant fucking envelope that looks like the acceptance letter we saw earlier, and she goes, uh, I got a call from admissions saying that you were ignoring their acceptance letter. 
And Stella's like, well, I'm still thinking about it. And she says, what is there to think about? Yeah. So she tells the story about the scorpion and the frog. The scorpion needs to get across the river. And the scorpion says to the frog, let me ride on your back. And the frog says, no, I'm not going to let you do that because you're going to sting me. And then we'll both drown. And the scorpion says, I promise I won't sting you. So the frog agrees. The scorpion gets on the frog's back and halfway across the pond. I think I said river at the beginning of this, but that's okay. (laughs) They're both bodies of water. Um, the scorpion stings the frog and the frog is paralyzed from the venom and they both begin to to drown. And the frog says, why did you do that? And the scorpion says, I'm sorry, it's in my nature. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that story so many times. Really? Yeah. Well, so we were watching it together, right? And the story is happening and Kimmy's like, I literally just heard this story. And I was like, okay. And then before the ending comes, she goes, it's in my nature. And then the mom was like, it's It's in in my nature. nature. And I was like, okay. And then I Googled (laughs) it and it's from Umbrella Academy, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Not from it, but you know what I mean. So I was like, oh, you just watched that. Aha! Aha! You know what it's from? Oh my gosh. You know what it's from? It makes me mad. (laughs) (laughs) That a star is born. Close. (laughs) (laughs) No, you actually know what it's from? Can anyone think of a movie where there's a costume with a scorpion on it? A costume with a scorpion on it? Drive. Yep. It's from Drive. Oh, Ah. I've seen Drive one time. That's enough. That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, this is like a kind of a fucking rude story for a mom to tell (laughs) their daughter. Because essentially what I think she's saying here is that that she's calling Sella the scorpion. And you're always going to do bad things unless you're tamed because it's in your nature. And she says, Redwood, the college that she's been accepted to, will be good for you. It will put you in your place and keep you safe from yourself. We then see a scene back at the boarding school. It's Sella in the bathroom. Paloma's in there, too. Again, some, like, wacky song is playing. And Bobby comes in there. This is actually a pretty funny scene, and Bobby does a great job of being very, like, snobby and also, like, but, like, to a comical degree and very professional. It's all very, like, it's just very poised and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's basically telling a story about a trade gone wrong, and they're both looking in the mirror and, like, doing their hair or whatever. She's talking about how there must have been a mix-up because, like, some other guy that she's never heard of came to give so-and-so the drugs. And she goes, he pulled out an eight ball in the middle of campus. Like, can you believe that? And then Sella is basically blaming it on Bobby and says, well, if you... If that's what you ordered, then that's what he brought. And she's like, I would never order that, and I would never want it in the middle of campus. Bobby leaves, um, basically saying, you should check the ledger because you're fucking wrong. And although Sella stands her ground, when Bobby leaves, it's clear Sella's upset and is probably thinking, wow, Maxie has been off his game. I wonder if he screwed this up. And then Paloma comes over to her and tells her she doesn't always have to be perfect, but Sella doesn't really want to hear that. We then see that... Maxie is late to a meeting. It's supposed to be the leaders of the spades. So Sella, Maxie, and then Paloma is also there. They're meeting up with the teacher's pets. And they're, like, having a meeting, but Maxie's late. And the teacher's pets pull out a picture. And they say, this is the rat. And it's a picture of a prefect. And they look at it. And they're like, what the heck? Like, this kid is, I think they say, he's a sophomore. Like, what is he doing? And they're like, yeah, he's in cahoots with the bobbies. And then the head of the teacher's pets, his name is Terret. He says that he's worried that the Bobbies are trying to start a war again 
because they're upset about what happened to Tila. Uh, Do I know what happened to Tila? We don't know what happened to Tila. So they're like, they say that they think that the Bobbies are upset about what happened to Tila and that they might be start trying to start a war again. And Sela basically says she doesn't want that, but he says, if that happens, of course know that we're on your side. Sela later explains to Paloma that there was a once a war, but they all signed a treaty between the <laughs> oh factions my God. and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, she I just watched Matt- Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> just a scary story that's when a treaty is necessary <laughs> like not in high school but continue Sella later explains to paloma that yes there was once a war but they all signed a treaty and it's fine now and then she asks maxie to see the ledger to prove that bobby was wrong about the drug mix-up Maxie says, oh, you know what? I don't have it on me. I left it in my room. But, you know, I'll catch you later and we can sort this out. And he runs off. Paloma says, mm-hmm. like, that was super weird, right? That was weird. And um, starts kind of asking Sela about prom stuff. They're getting ready for the prom. Sela is reading a letter left by one of the other factions to her. Um, so she's, like, not really listening to Paloma right now. She snaps at Paloma for asking her about something as dumb as prom because she's got bigger fish to fry. That's not an exact quote, but she's just really stressed out. Are they in Fishtown? No. <laughs> no. Um, but it gets kind of weird. You can see that the stress of maintaining this faction and the power that she's assumed over this faction is kind of slipping and things start to be getting a little frayed and she's not taking the stress very well. Um, there's kind of like a fight between them and Sela leaves. Paloma, this is post-fight. Paloma's now in the library alone, like with her headphones, probably listening to her iPod shuffle. And Maxie comes up to her and says, oh, I found the ledger. It's it's fine. And Paloma's being a sass queen because it kind of seems like she's trying to infiltrate Maxie's territory. Why'd you screw up Bobby's drug order? Like, it really seems like you're slipping. It seems like your mind's not in the right place. And she's, like, really reprimanding him for his mistakes. And I think it's partially because, you know, she and Sela are fighting, so she's upset about that, too. He basically turns it on her and, like, gives her a reprimand that's way better and way more well-spoken. And he's like, I've known Sela for years, And you're just this little girl that's looking for approval from her. But, like, if I need her to have my back, she'll be there. Like, no matter what happens, we are bonded. Can you say the same? And leaves. Sola's in her room at night now and finds one of uh, Paloma's photos stuffed in her drawer. On the back of the photo is a note from Paloma. It says, Sela, 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 I'm hiding this in your drawer while you get changed. Today was a very, very good day. Heart peak. And Sela looks at it, it looks like, you know, from earlier in the year when things weren't so stressful. And Sela looks really worn down now. She holds the photo up and she looks at her smiling in the photo and she tries to practice that smile in the photo um, because she just doesn't feel like the same person that she was in that photo. That's so dark and sad. (laughs) The next day, Sela stops Paloma in the locker room to apologize for being a bitch. She says things can just get so exhausting sometimes. And Paloma says, well, that's what I'm here for, right? Sela says, I'm glad I met you. I don't know what I would do without you. We're up in Paloma's room. And she's looking at a corkboard thing she has in her room with a bunch of pictures that she's taken on it. And she's kind of examining them. And she starts to, like, look down at the photo with her thumb in front of the photo. 
and she's blocking out Maxie, and I think she even might do it to Sella. She's, like, blocking them out in the photo and kind of picturing herself in their place. Mm-hmm. Halfway point. Okay, I'm ready. It's the halfway point. Shush, it's my point. turn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I feel like I had it. No, I had it right before you said that scene, and I was like, I'm smart, and then you said that scene, and it's like, well, now I'm just an obvious hoe. Um, uh, yeah, so I think that um, Paloma definitely wants to take Maxie's place, and whether that means taking Sela's place in the future, like, it's just an inevitability, but, or maybe it's like, I don't know, maybe do I want that? I don't know. So I think she's in love with Sela, or platonically, I don't know. I'm in love with both of you. Um, and she just wants to push Maxie out. Sela's the rat. She's messing up things and kind of pinning it on him, and I think she's gonna start doing things behind the scenes, which she's already been doing, where she's just kind of messing with the different groups. Mm. I think she's there to throw a wrench into things. Maybe she's related to Tila, and she's, like, Tila's mm. younger sister and is here to be, like, remember. Uh, maybe that's a fun twist that I would like to see. Otherwise... She is there to throw a wrench into the works and to uh, maybe just get rid of factions. And so I think she's mm. kind of starting at the top by dismantling Sela, who might be, like, the most in charge one. Because maybe Sela has dirt on everyone else, and so she's going to use that against them all. And she's just going to kind of watch it all crumble around her. Um, mm. I think that Maxie is going to be a casualty to this. I mm. think that Bobby is going to be, like, the final showdown. And then... I think that Sela was is going to be like, I trusted you. And she's going to be like, you made me something, something frog and scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would like some leading questions. So, but I would like to know what you think Tila's relationship was to who at the school. And like, did she just fall off a roof or is there something more sinister? They were all at a party. I think Tila was from a different faction. I would love it if it's a faction that no longer exists. Um, But maybe it was just the Bobby's faction party hosted by the Spades and things got out of control and there was too much substance involved, either drugs or alcohol or something. And maybe she had an overdose or maybe she, I, I think there was an accident. Yeah, Paloma's out there taking photos of everything. That's rat, rat 101. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> she's collecting evidence. And I think she has prime access to Maxie and his ledger, because mm-hmm. I think that Sela's shown her where it is. She sees Sela cracking under the pressure and maybe is, like, constantly reminding her of that, too. Like, you used to be so happy. Look at how mm. it's wearing you down now. I want Paloma to be our protagonist, and I think she can be even if she is doing deceptive stuff because it's like the society that they all exist in right now currently isn't working. The system they have is is Mm -hmm. flawed, so maybe it's about changing it. Do you think anything really dramatic is going to happen in the movie? I think Maxie is going to be expelled. Mm-hmm. And then Paloma's going to be like, I'm by your side, Sela. And Sela's, like, not going to know what to do without her right-hand man. And then the Bobbies are going to kind of, like, start to rise up and um, just, like, kick Sela down when she's weakest. Have I said enough? I don't know. I feel like you've said enough. Unless you have leading questions, Kimmy. No, I think that was good. Yeah, me too. Uh, Oh, it's all going to, it's going to be a showdown at prom. Ooh, great guess. Okay, let's continue. Okay. Later on, it's the day. It's it's a day. 
Daytime. <laughs> it's the day. <laughs> Maxie stopped Paloma. Um, and he apologizes for being rude in the library. But it looks like really he just wants Paloma to tell Sola that he's going to be 15 minutes late to their meeting coming up. Paloma says, sure, yeah, I'll tell her. Don't even worry. She's not going to tell and her. Paloma. <laughs> of course she's not going to tell her. <laughs> Stella and Paloma are seen waiting at a park bench for Maxie to show up for their fucking meeting. And it looks like they've been waiting for a long time and Stella's getting more and more pissed and finally she says, come on, let's go. We don't need him. Stella and Paloma then enter the theater building. I kind of want to play a little guessing game here just based on some of the themes of the movie. What show do you think they're putting on? It's a very famous show. It's Macbeth. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, Courtney. (laughs) I'm happy that you guessed that. So they're entering the theater building, and they talk about how one of the other spades left someone in the wings for them. And they, they go to the wings of the stage, and they see that this guy who's, like, tied up in a chair has something on him that might be the ledger. And Sela says, it always comes back to the ledger. <laughs> the stage is, like, decked out with this red lighting. And they do mention that it's Macbeth. And there's, like, it's pretty cool set design. Like, everything is set up for the show. And the whole stage is red. There's these really cool, um, it's, like, these red pieces of yarn hanging all over the stage. I don't know exactly what they're for. But Symbolism. they look cool as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Symbolism. Yeah, and then Paloma's like, what's the play this semester? And Stella goes, Macbeth. So they find the theater kid. He's tied up in a chair with a blindfold. And Stella dumps out his backpack. And she does find the ledger. And the kid says, it's a joke. We weren't going to, like, turn you in. We just knew that Maxie would have it on him when he was hanging out with his girlfriend. And we thought we could get you to make a trade to get it back. It was just a joke. I know it looks like one of us is the rat, but that's not what it was. And Sella is pissed, not at this kid, but at Maxie, because he keeps screwing up and, like, left something so valuable, like, the only valuable thing, pretty much, besides, like, the drugs itself, in the hands of somebody else. So she then finds this throne that's part of the set, and it's in all those, like, red hanging pieces of yarn, and she's sitting there very ominously, and she says, yeah, she says, Paloma you know what needs doing. And Paloma says, well, we should wait for Maxie. And Sella's like, you think we still need him? Like, no. He's the banquo of this situation. (laughs) (laughs) She asks what she thinks makes all of this possible. It's not Maxie. And she says, if you don't do it now, you're only putting off the inevitable. It's better to put the fear of God in their souls than to let them think that their actions don't have consequences. So then there's kind of like an altercation and Paloma really doesn't want to do it. And Sela is basically like, guess you're not my real friend. You're just like another kid. You're not serious about the spades. And she like starts to leave. And then it kind of cuts scenes to Paloma like running in the middle of a dark, empty field towards Sela and like kind of freaking out. And her knuckles are all bloody. Mm. Like she just beat the shit out of someone. You know, in order to show their strength, she had to beat up that kid as a message. And Sela basically made Paloma do the dirty work. Mm -hmm. She meets Sela on the football field, and Sela's, like, shockingly caring and maternal at this moment, like, at the drop of a hat. And she wrapped her knuckles up and says, don't worry, you'll get used to it. 
It's very manipulative oh, yeah. because she had mm-hmm. literally just been like, I will never speak to you again. And then she's like, my poor baby angel. Yeah, that's very like kindergarten level of like, you must not be my real best friend then. And then- Yeah. I'd also like to make a point here. It's kind of an issue, running issue that I have with the movie. We've now introduced a major, major referential thing. Macbeth. In this film. Macbeth. Yeah. And now I'm thinking, well, now there has to be, like, correlations, like you were talking about, like Maxie being the bank He's and not, stuff like but that. yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm glued to it. Now I'm married to it. Like, you made this really <laughs> strong choice. You made a point to point it out. I just think going... I, I want to keep my reservations about it. But I think that... I think what the film did is put it in there purposefully and... I have issues with that um, going forward, but I'll just talk about that. I, I, I believe you, but I also, yeah. like, like, I guessed what the reference would be so fast. I think it was the easiest choice to be like, mm-hmm. power, get it? The struggle. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think, I think and, a better yeah. choice, if, if it is that uh, Sella has a downfall, would have been Caesar. That would have been sick. Mm, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. right now, yeah, it is. That's just like the go-to meaning power grab. It's it's who's the Lady Macbeth, who's the tragic yeah. figure. It's it's who's gonna be the the casualty to it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maxie catches up with Sella the next day, and she says, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry that I missed the the thing with you guys yesterday. I tried to call you last night, but you know, Nuri, she had a presentation, and you know, there was like a little reception after that, so time kind of got away from us. But Paloma told you though, right?" And um, this is the first time that Sella's hearing about this. and But she says, oh, um, yeah, yeah, actually, it's no big deal. We handled it. Oh, by the way, I won't be able to go with you to that meetup. I can't go. I know that I said I could, but you can handle it alone, right? And Maxie looks afraid. He says, but it's in Fishtown. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, yeah, but we need the drop for this weekend. And after your hiccup with the Bobbies, we really need you to come through on this one. Thanks. Maxie has to go Not alone. Not to be sexist, to but, like, what is, a like, a 16-year-old girl going to be able to do to protect him? <laughs> That's a good point. True. Yeah. While Paloma and Sella wait for Maxie to return, she opens up a package from her mom, and it has a Redwood College sweatshirt in it. That's <laughs> nice. She takes a pair of scissors, <laughs> and she shreds it up in a fit of rage. She just can't fucking handle it. And Paloma's like, Sella, stop, calm down. Breathe, it's okay. It's I one know. of the most ridiculous things okay. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Is she like, I want to be in high school forever? Uh? Uh? <laughs> Just then, Maxie busts in, and he's been beaten bloody all over from whatever shenanigans he had to do in Fishtown. He fought a fish. <laughs> <laughs> A huge tuna. I, have, I really wonder, is Fishtown a real place? Like, I just am laughing so hard about that. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know if it's I'm a real place. I'm going to Google Fishtown, PA. Oh, it says neighborhood in Philadelphia. All I did was type in... Wow. Oh, I typed in fish tea because the computer's listening to us. Wow. It sounds fun. It says a magnet for hipsters <laughs> and creative types. Hipsters beat people up every day. The vibrant nightlife includes hip bistros, beer gardens, and a retro arcade. Okay, it sounds gentrified as fuck. Like, <laughs> okay, maybe this isn't present day. <laughs> this was really Fish Town 2012. <laughs> Sella looks down at him, his bloody face, 
and she shows him the ledger pages and she says how could you let this happen you almost cost me everything because of some girl and Massey says you didn't even know her you won't even give her a chance and Stella says it's not about her Max it's about you and Maxie stares at her in disbelief and says you can't stand the idea that someone might be better than you or as pretty as you or as nice as you or as worthy of attention as you. Not with me, not with Bobby, not with Nuri, not even with Tila, especially not with Tila. Stella says, you know what? It's nothing personal. It's just business. You're done. Maxie's out of the spades. I mean, go have fun with Neri. Go graduate like a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) After this encounter, Sella marches across campus. She's keeping her composure because she's Sella. She's got to, like, have a certain way about her. And as soon as she makes it back to her room, she breaks down and cries, which is pretty sad because it shows that she didn't want to do that, but she just felt like he was, you know, screwing stuff up. It then cuts to black but not before Sella stares directly into the camera. The principal of the school announces. He announces that, um, and this is like a long drawn out speech kind of, but it's basically implied that from them finding that Spades bottle of alcohol that they know something is up with the factions. They basically say these factions have led our school for too long you guys are doing all this shady stuff and we can't catch you and it's not okay. So we're just going to cancel your prom. <laughs> what up? No, they're just going to hold a slutty prom for the students. Obviously, Courtney. Sella's <laughs> now in class and she gets a note passed to her that says, Factions, 5 p.m. Fields. Bears. Beats. Beats. Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. <laughs> um, at the faction meeting, Bobby accuses Sella... Uh, with reckless endangerment of our livelihoods due to your lack of control. You and what you did to Tila, you made her take the fall. And you put her there and walked away. And heads are after us because of you. This is all happening because of you. And the factions erupt into overlapping arguments until Paloma stands up and she says, so what? This is them telling us that we have no power. Well, let's watch them fall on their asses, watching us take the power back. And she organizes the factions into creating their own off-campus prom in the woods. Um, What's cool about this idea um, is that every faction has their part in contributing to the event. And Paloma is, like, really showing her strength as a potential leader here and how she could potentially unify the factions. And she says this only works if we trust each other. It's the night of the play. Paloma stops by Bobby's dressing room, and Bobby starts to tell Paloma the story of Tila, the girl who came before her. Apparently, she started as a Bobby, but then was convinced she'd be better as a spade. Okay. Paloma's like, well, Sella told me it was her own fault that she didn't work out as a spade, and Bobby scoffs in the same way that Sella always scoffs in this movie, and says, yeah. A car crashes into a gold post on the field (gasps) with Tila driving and she just passed her permit and apparently she was out of her mind on acid, although she'd never used it before. Oh my god, that's so much darker than I thought. Oh really? (laughs) I think me and Kimmy were both like, she's dead. She's so dead. No, she's (laughs) She's 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 in a hospital or a coma or she's just... Injured. Yeah, so it, it what it sounds like is that Sella convinced her to do acid because she was getting in her way, and then she drove a car into the goalpost on the field. 
so Bobby says that she was then expelled. And before Paloma leaves, Bobby says, you're good at this, Paloma. Everybody thinks so from all the factions. Don't let her tell you otherwise. So it's kind of like foreshadowing that she needs to watch her back. Stella and Paloma hang out in Paloma's room and Stella spies a photo that's been taken of Paloma hanging out with the Bobbies. And Stella's pissed, but Paloma says it was just a drop. And uh, Stella's like, a drop with a photo shoot? Paloma's like, she's not the enemy, Stella. Sometimes there just isn't one. Paloma tries to ask Stella about Tila and Stella says, Tila's eyes were bigger than her stomach. She wanted to take over before she knew what taking over even entailed. She flew too close to the sun and her wings melted. And I just like, (laughs) kids like don't talk like this. I think like even like at the proposal for like the off-campus prom, like one of the other faction leaders was like, and what, pray tell, are we going to do about it? And I'm like, dear God, nobody says pray tell. Stella says, this is what you're going to have to do, handle the things that no one else wants to decide. But Paloma says, I get that, but sometimes I'm just going to handle things a little differently than you might have, and I think that's okay. It's just different. It is now the night of the prom. All the factions are dressed to the nines. Before they arrive at the venue, Stella goes to her trunk that has all of the drugs and the pills, and she pulls out a bag that's labeled Button Drops, which um, Kimmy looked up, and it's like a hallucinogen. It's like a type of peyote, so it's pretty intense. Do they look like those fun candies? <laughs> yeah, they do. Kind. Of. They're not. They're not sticky like that, but they're shaped like buttons. They're just yeah. little crystals, little dot, little dots. <laughs> then there's this really cool scene where they're all in the woods now, and they're like about to be in the prom area, and they're having this like frenzy where all of the students from all the factions are like tossing stuff around like in a trade fashion so it's like drugs over here money over here booze over here like all this stuff and it's how it's like people are just like mobbing over it like children and it's really chaotic but everyone's dressed so fancy that it's really fun Stella and paloma are then walking toward the actual like i assume dance floor area and as they're walking along Stella is like, hey, Paloma, you want to, like, take a drink? And Paloma is like, oh, sure. But she's also kind of distracted. Like, maybe she's already been drinking a little bit. She's kind of looking around and, like, looking at the plants and the trees and whatever. And while she's doing that, Stella drops literally so many button drops into this bottle of alcohol. Like, so many. And Paloma downs the entire thing. Does she see that it's been dropped into there? No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, it was, it was sneaky on purpose. Oh, no. So we get, we're finally at the prom clearing. It looks like every hipster's fantasy. There's a decked out abandoned bus that's been converted into kind of like a girl's powder room. There's fairy lights decorated around all the trees. There's a huge music set up. Everything. All the girls convene in the bus and they share drinks and they're just, you know, ooing and aahing over everybody's dresses and stuff and before Stella can stop her Paloma also does a line of coke knocking her into this trippy fucked up stupor it's now Mandy I did not think it's now Mandy yikes (laughs) I did not think things were gonna go south for her okay Mm. Stella runs into Maxie and um she's clearly stressed but she's like nice tux you know what's going on and 
She says, oh, by the way, like, if you if you see Paloma, she just, you know, she took too many button drops and you just keep an eye out for her. And Maxie's like, how many did she take? Stella's like, oh, you know, um, how many would be too oh, many? Oh, no. <laughs> two. And Maxie's two like, is too many. Two is too many. <laughs> Maxie's like, Stella, tell me exactly how many she took. And Stella can't tell her. And they're both like, fuck, fuck, oh, my God, fuck. This is such a nightmare. And Stella's like, I'm sorry, like, Paloma, she was talking to the Bobbies about me, and it was just getting out of control, and she didn't know what was good for her, and Maxie yells at her, and she's like, you can't keep doing this, Stella. And now we cut to Paloma. And also, like, literally, I don't care what drug it is, it could literally be weed. Yeah, you don't trick someone. Yeah, like, if you take too much of an edible of weed, you will feel like you are going to die. So to put 10 drops of something that you don't even know what that is, you could fucking kill her, like, exactly, for real. Yeah. Three, you could kill someone if it's something horrible. One, so, no one is like, enough. <laughs> somebody could be, like, on other kinds of medication that could really yeah, fuck you up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and the fact that she took coke, like, you clearly didn't predict, like, there's just so many factors. Don't drug people. No, <laughs> so absolutely stupid. don't drug people. Don't drug people. Yeah. If that's the if there's lesson, a lesson we to take today. away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do not drug people. That is a no no. That is. We don't condone. I'm sorry, but I draw the line at drugging people. <laughs> <laughs> what is the quote from Community where she's like, I can. Excuse I can. I, racism, <laughs> but I draw yeah. the line at animal cruelty. <laughs> I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at drugging your friends. <laughs> uh cut to Paloma who obviously is fucked up and she's walking through the crowd and she keeps seeing these images of Sella and Maxie but they're like giggling and laughing and running around like it's clearly a hallucination but it's them like laughing at her and running and getting lost in the crowd and she's freaking out but finally she does see the real versions of them and there's this altercation because Maxie is like Sella you need to tell her what you did and Paloma like kind of understands what's happening and she's then becomes hysterical and she says like she realizes what's going on and she's crying she's freaking out and Sela says I was just trying to keep you humble like clearly trying to backstep on something terrible she's done and Paloma says keep me humble I trusted you and she punches Sela straight in the face and then runs away and so Maxie and Sela like are behind like they didn't she got a head start okay. on them and then they're trying to run after her. So Sella and Maxie are running after her. It's like a kind of, I think it might be like a shaky cam scene where they're trying to get her. And it's really dark outside and they've wandered away from the prom. So obviously they can't really see where they're going. And Paloma's running and she can't see. And the next thing you know, she is like on the other side of a railing hanging from a cliff. A cliff? Yeah. And Maxie and Sella like run over to her and they're like, oh my gosh. And they pull her up and she's safe. But I'm just like really getting thrown back into, I don't know how much of Gossip Girl you watch, but there's a part where that literally happens where like Chuck's dad tries to attack him, but then Chuck like moves out of the way and he's like hanging from a roof. And I'm just like, I don't think this is a plausible thing that happens to people (laughs) where they just fall over railings that happens they they like grab her up and pull her down they all collapse on the floor and they're like well what a crazy time you're and on get so up. much peyote <laughs> <laughs> they get up and maxi and paloma kind of start to walk away 
But Sella inches more and more toward the edge of the oh, cliff. No. And she's looking over it kind of in a longing way. She's looking into the emptiness of it and takes a deep breath. No! 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 And then Maxie says, Sella! I was just leaving it up to you, that's all. <laughs> Stop being so dramatic! What happens? <laughs> to me, you mean? Yeah, it's your turn. Oh, yeah, sorry. Maxie calls her name, and Sella turns around, kind of like taken out of the daze. They all kind of look at each other, bewildered, kind of understanding what might have just transpired. They're all kind of taken aback and they don't really say anything. And they wrap their arms around each other's shoulders and they walk away together, away from the cliff. And Sella's eyes well with tears. And then finally, she again stares directly down the camera lens, reminding us that this is in fact an indie film. <laughs> and we cut to black. Ew. That's the end? <laughs> that is no! the end. That's the end. <laughs> Fix it. I don't like it. (laughs) I'm so sorry. We have a couple letterboxed reviews, but I feel like we should wait till after we rate it. You should wait until after you rate it, yeah. Okay, you ready to rate this thing? I'm gonna I'm gonna rate it way too high. Here we go. (laughs) Three, two, one. Okay. Whoa. Oh fuck, Kayleen, that's a three. (laughs) Oh no. <laughs> That's lower than I gave horses. Kayleen, you gave it a three. Mm-hmm. I gave it a four. Five and a half. Yikes. <laughs> that sounds like Zoinks or something. It's like, it's like Nikes, but yikes. <laughs> Points were made. Things were tried. <laughs> um, I'm really disappointed by how low you two rated it because you have seen it and, and you you did tell me you left out a lot of superfluous scenes and everything so yeah. that's one thing but I'm, I'm so turned off by that ending and, I, and so I, I tried not to let that influence my rating I think my rating otherwise would have been a 6 were it not for that ending mm. and then again like we just fall into a, a, a habit and a mindset of comparing it to the last thing we rated or other things from this round and so like I want it to be higher than Mandy but eventually I just chose for it to be the same as Mandy yeah it sounded intriguing I'm excited to see Jarell Jerome's performance I just am like so lost right now as to what the character of Paloma was meant to even do or what Sela was meant to do. Like, what kind mm-hmm. of power struggle is it where you can just best your enemy by drugging her a bunch? <laughs> and then it's almost your downfall after that. That's just... I give it a two. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have more to say, I don't think. Until I watch mm-hmm. this, do, do I really feel like I could make a, a judgment? I'm excited to see the... The artistically framed shots, which sound great. I feel like I have a clear mm-hmm. image in my head. I love whichever one of you said Alice in Wonderland, like to put that in my mm. mind. And this bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Before I s- talk about my rating, I would like to share a couple letterbox reviews. I'll read this one first because it, it directly relates to, I think, both of our feelings This movie felt like it was made by someone who you start talking to at a party and then you think like, all right, we have some common interests. And then you talk to them more and you start to realize this person has no real substance and they're an empty shell of a human being, but you're too far in and you can't leave because all your friends are here. That is so intense. (laughs) And 
and highly accurate. <laughs> and that's oh just... Oh my gosh, that sucks. That's just how I felt is that there's like... In doing the, like, write-up of all of our notes, there was a lot of quotes and scenes that I was really excited to talk about. I was like, ooh, like, when she's talking about basically being asexual, I really like that. And I, like, don't don't do stuff that makes you cry in bathrooms. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff here. And I think something that Kimmy and I kind of agreed on is that this is one of those films that's so high concept, which is why we're happy that it might be made into a show. Okay, yeah. Like they've like they've said, because I think it could be fleshed out into a really cool, really dramatic, like teen show. But the movie just like didn't do it for me. And at the end we were both like, literally, what was that even for? Like, what was that about? What was it trying to say? It was just a bummer. And and we also, as much as we like Jarell Jerome, he really isn't in it that much. And his mm. performance is really more of just, like, a chill, nice guy. Like, there's nothing challenging for him to do. It's just, like, he's good at doing his side character. And the lead girl is our least favorite character as far as acting goes. Yeah, I guess my, my concluding thoughts would just be that we we went into this and I was really excited. It does it is like that dark academia you talked about and I just think there's so much there and I think with a different lead everyone else I had I had no problems with. I liked Paloma, I liked Maxie, I liked Bobby. I think you need a new lead and I think you need to develop what exactly your story's trying to say. So I gave it a four. I think that I might even be like a little too generous on that. <laughs> and it's it's really irking me to say that because I had such high hopes for this film. It like kind of has aspects of films that I really enjoy. Like I like that indie feel. I like the cinematography and you know when not really anything is like being said and you just kind of have to watch. Like I mm-hmm. like all of that. But um the ending really didn't even bother me so much as the acting from the lead, Love You Simone. And it's really hard to say because there's just vastly mixed reviews about specifically her performance. Like, some people are saying that she deserved an Oscar, like, for her. (laughs) And I, like, highly, highly disagree. Yeah. And and especially, and I think that this is really to the detriment of the film, when they introduced the Macbeth references. Mm. I really do think they did it pointedly because she's a power-hungry leader who uses violent forces to take down the people that she needs to in order to gain her power back. It's a powerful piece, and Macbeth is a powerful figure. And the other characters in the film just run circles around her. And it's really disappointing because you you introduce all these facts about how your your lead is supposed to be intimidating and strong and like striking fear in the hearts of all those around her. And I just don't think that she rose to the occasion, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is a bummer. And, and it really, I think, takes away from a lot of the potential that this film has. Yeah, agreed. We're going to do our watch list and recommendations now. Um, and I'm going to go first. Kimmy, Kimmy. Let's do it. <laughs> For my watch list ad, I would like to add Kajillion Air. Okay, you knocked, mm. you knocked one of my four right off. Kajillion <laughs> <laughs> Air starring... Um, Evan Rachel Wood, it's like already being like helmed as like the best movie of the year, which, you know, it doesn't have a lot to compete with, unfortunately, (laughs) but I still don't doubt that at all. It looks really, really cool and I can't wait to um, have a look. And then for my recommendation, it's also like half a watch list ad because I haven't finished yet, but um, 
It's Monsterland on Hulu. Oh, I want to watch that. Yeah, I've already watched the first three episodes. It's, like, really cool. It's not what I expected, but also halfway what I kind of hoped American Horror Story would have been Mm. if it wasn't so campy. I'm going to leave it at there because I want you guys to watch it. It's really interesting. It's a cool anthology. It's it's really unique. Perfect for this spooky season. That's exciting. Okay, so my watch list ad is, I don't remember what brought it up recently, but I was talking about it with somebody and I've never seen it. And I randomly thought to put it on my list when we were doing this. So I've never seen Jackie Brown and oh. apparently it's really good, even though... I hadn't heard of it for like a long. Oh, you know what it was? We just watched something with her in it. She was in Jawbreaker. She was in Jawbreaker, yeah. and I I saw her name on someone else's Instagram post oh, cool. about Jawbreaker. And my recommendation for the week is in theme with what day it is, but also oh. what movie we yes. watched. It's Mean Girls, cause today's October third. Yes, that was my recommendation for the week. Was it actually? It was, because of the day. That's why, that's kind of why I thought that you might say it, and I wanted to go first. I had two recommendations, and Mean Girls was my backup, in case you all said (laughs) I wasn't allowed to recommend what I want to recommend. Oh, okay. Because I have something I want to recommend, because it fits. Okay, so, to add to my watch list, it's called David Byrne's American Utopia, and it's David Byrne from Talking Heads doing another musical special, kind of like Stop Making Sense. And it was on Broadway, and it unfortunately sold out when I wanted to go to New York. And so I didn't get to see it, because also Corona happened. So nobody got to see it. Well, some people did. Okay. (laughs) And it's directed by Spike Lee, which I think is super cool. Oh, interesting. Uh, And then the movie I would like to add to my watch list is, I have very, very mixed feelings about Sofia Coppola, but it's Sofia Coppola's new movie, On the Rocks, starring Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love Rashida, so... We'll see what happens there, and it's getting some nice acclaim, so that's good. Yeah, it looks like it might be good. It is October 3rd, and I wanted to recommend Mean Girls, but instead I'm going to (laughs) recommend The Bootleg of Heathers, available on YouTube. Mm. Oh. The Bootleg is real good. The Bootleg of Heathers is amazing. So Heathers the Musical is my recommendation. It's technically a movie if you watch it on YouTube. Oh, my gosh. And (laughs) it fits perfectly for what Stella and the Spades is. It's, It's definitely all about high schoolers and i like that there's like a reigning person like a cella in the spades in the heathers yeah and there's a side character of veronica sawyer in the paloma of the situation i wish that Mm. uh maxi had been something of a jd or anything Mm. else but whatever (laughs) (laughs) that's my recommendation for the week that's funny that mean girls was your backup it was i'm glad that you're letting me do the other one since you took mine (laughs) (laughs) well anything else nah no, catch us next week when we do the wrap. I'm excited. So catch us then, cool cats. Bull bats. Ghoul rats.